This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland to Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more each, episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So, stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, it's good old JR Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. TCO, the French-Canadian Frankenstein. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is no time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Another awesome week of pro wrestling in the books, guys. This I thought this week maybe even topped last week. We had the uh, second week in a row of AEW Fighter Fest taking on the NXT Great American Bash. We're here to talk about it. It's episode 156 of Top Rope Nation. My name is Ryan Drosty, and I am joined here by Kyle Ross and a returning Justin Joint. Justin, you weren't able to join us last week for the Wednesday Night Wars. Glad to have you back. Uh, who'd you think won tonight? Hmm. Well, it's tough for say to say. Um, I I don't have a good setup, so I, I kind of do the back and forth. And I have YouTube TV, so there's kind of like a five to ten second delay when I'm mm-hmm. flipping back and forth. So I, it's, I, I hesitate to say just because I don't feel like I got a full grasp on either show. Um, you know, NXT had, I think, by far, you know, the biggest moment with Keith Lee winning the title. Uh, they, they had another really good match with Isaiah Scott and Gargano. Uh, but other than that, I mean, like. I think, you know, match of the night is probably that eight man tag. Um, and, you know, there's there's plenty of other good action on AEW. So I, I'm going to have to say AEW. OK, Kyle Ross, what do you think? Do you concur with Justin or do you have different different thoughts on that? Um, first off, I'm not stopping tonight until somebody loses an eye. Let's put that on the record. OK, <laughs> uh, what a number... gimmick that's going to be, huh? Yeah. I uh, wonder if it's going to be like Demolition Man. Remember when Wesley Snipes like cuts the dude's eyeball out and then like, uses it to scan to get in the door? What a movie that was. Why don't we uh, talk about Demolition Man more on this podcast? But 
to answer your question, uh, second week in a row, I think AEW had the deeper show overall, but NXT once again had the more noteworthy main event, as Justin said. Um, I think if you're taking into account the full two hours, AEW was probably better. Uh, real quick, uh, you know the big fault in Demolition Man is that they were all about Taco Bell and not the superior Taco Johns. Oh, yes. I agree. It's been too long uh, since we talked about Taco Johns as I well agree. on this show. That would have been way more believable <laughs> if everyone just decided every restaurant in America should be Taco John's or San <laughs> Angeles, pardon me, for the fans of Demolition Man. Oh, yeah. I would agree with both of you. I thought AEW was the best show top to bottom. I also thought the main event was the most noteworthy thing, although... You know, that's kind of historically speaking, because you got Keith Lee now holding both belts simultaneously. We kind of made predictions on that on last week's show and how they would handle that. Uh, we'll see moving forward. But I think the eight man, yeah, on AEW was the best match of the night. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I felt like AEW had less filler. It's going to be really interesting when the ratings come out tomorrow, because everyone has really been following this the last couple of weeks, because NXT now two weeks in a row has one viewership, but uh, AEW still winning the 18 to 49 age group demographic. They actually widened their lead last week. Uh, two weeks ago, the, the 18 to 49 rating was really, really close. AEW still won. Uh, widened that lead last week. We'll see what happens tomorrow um, with the ratings, but uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting because this Keith Lee, Adam Cole thing got spoiled. So we'll see if that affects the NXT rating at all. I know there was people out there saying, oh, they they taped two different endings. I think someone from NXT had, had put that out on Twitter. But indeed, trying to cover. Yeah, trying to cover. Keith Lee did win. He is currently the North American and NXT champion now. And uh, pretty cool moment. To close NXT, that is for sure. But I thought AEW closed the show on a pretty cool moment, too. You had Chris Jericho out there with Orange Cassidy, making Orange Cassidy look really good. This guy is incredibly popular. And, you know, depending on what happens with Orange Cassidy moving forward, we might look back at uh, this main event he had with Jericho as kind of one of his defining moments as well. So I thought both shows went out in style. You know, I, I was uh, mainly watching the Keith Lee match. And I, I flipped over to the Orange Cassidy Jericho match real quick, and and I got very excited because for a second I thought Orange Cassidy was the greatest sweater of all time, uh, <laughs> until I heard he had orange juice dumped on him, which that was a bummer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, with the ratings, Ryan, that you talked about, I think a real key in that, and the issue for AEW these last couple weeks is they really haven't been building towards anything. I know they have Fighter Fest, and they made a big deal about it as soon as uh, Double or Nothing was over, but in terms of like that key angle or key program or key match, yeah, okay, maybe Moxley Cage. We don't know how big that's going to be. They've done a great job hyping it, I'll okay. say, but they, they don't have something on par with the Lee Cole match that we saw tonight. Now, the question now becomes, where does NXT go from here? Because that was the biggest match they probably could have done. Yeah. Oh, on yeah, the brand right sure. now. And, and they've, you know, shot that wad, so to speak. <laughs> we don't know what NXT has, or pardon me, uh, AEW has potentially down the line um, that they could be building towards. But I think that's kind of 
if you're looking for a reason why has this gap been closing in terms of overall viewership, why has NXT won the last two weeks? I think that has a lot to do with it, whereas NXT had a clear destination they were building to with this big match, and you really can't say that about AEW. Nothing felt necessarily more important than anything else. Right. I think I think AEW they built their entire cards better, um, mm-hmm. but but NXT built the one big match better. You know, I think there was a lot of criticism about the Great American Bash this week. Really felt thrown together. That uh, you know, a lot of the matches didn't really have any build or anything, but they did have that dominant main event that did have the build. So yeah, you're right. the The biggest build that matters in that main event. There you go. And, uh, you know, that I, I think those main event segments have certainly been carrying them when it comes to total viewership when you look at the two hours. Yeah. And it's funny, too. You talk about potentially a second finish being taped in Lee and Cole, how people were reporting that once the finish got out. I was thinking with Bruce Pritchard having more influence on the product now, was this a, a, a uh, potentially a Lex Luger 1994 situation? <laughs> you know, remember when they when Lex came out in front of the crowd with the title? Yeah. And, you know, Bruce was asked about that on his podcast. And said, yeah, I just wanted to fool a certain writer in California with that. <laughs> Who what could that be? Yeah. What a San knob. Jose, perhaps? Yeah, what a knob. Uh, always going after Uncle Dave. Come on, Bruce. <laughs> All right, before we go any further, I guys. Laughed, though. I would have laughed, so It would have been a really stupid decision to do that, by the way. <laughs> but I would have laughed. Like, I was waiting for it to happen just so I could start making 1994 Lex Luger jokes. So I wanted <laughs> to make it anyway, even though it didn't happen. Yes. So before we go any further and talk more about what happened tonight, a couple housekeeping items, of course. Uh, as you heard at the beginning of the broadcast, we were talking about a new podcast from the blue wire network and we are of course members of the blue wire podcasting network check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs whether it's sports movies or entertainment they have the show for you and uh, wherever you're listening to top rope nation whether that is on apple podcast spotify stitcher overcast podbean make sure you hit that subscribe button better yet leave us a five-star rating if you're on apple leave us a written review you leave us a written review on Apple, we'll send you a free sticker in the mail just for your efforts. Take you just a couple of minutes, leave your Twitter username and Instagram username in that review so I can get a hold of you, get your address, free of charge, a Top Rope Nation die cut sticker will be sent to you in the mail. In fact, sent a couple of them off this afternoon to a couple listers, one in California Ooh. and one in Ohio. So I uh, would love to send out more. I got a whole roll of them here in the Top Rope Nation offices. So jump on Apple Podcasts, click five stars, leave us that written review. Another great way you can support Top Rope Nation is becoming a patron of the show. You can go over to patreon.com slash Nation. Sign up to become a patron. You get all kinds of benefits. You can read all about it there on the website. But one of the great benefits is bonus shows from us. Uh, each and every month, we do a new edition of Top Rope Nation Classics. You heard a preview of that on Monday here on our main feed. We reviewed King of the Ring 93 the other day. It's an awesome, awesome show. If you heard the preview, you heard 20 minutes of different clips from various moments throughout the show. But if you want to hear that whole show, sign up for the Patreon page. You get access to that show You get access to all of the other editions of Top Rope Nation classics we've done in the past. We've done them on tons of shows, including Bash at the Beach 96, 
which just had an anniversary the other day. People were talking about that on Twitter. We reviewed that one last summer. We've reviewed Super Bowl 2, SummerSlam 91, SummerSlam 97, Backlash 02, tons and tons of reviews. You can only find those on Patreon. And in fact, I quietly brought back another bonus on our Patreon page this week. If you do sign up and you've never been a patron before, if you're a brand new Patreon supporter, if you sign up before the end of July at that $5 a month tier, I will send you a free Top Rope Nation t-shirt in the mail. For five bucks, you get all of the bonus shows and a free t-shirt. I mean, if I like this show, if I was a listener and I like this show and I could get a t-shirt for five bucks, I think I would do it. That is a hell of a deal. We'd love to have your support. We're doing this because we're so confident that if you sign up and you listen to these bonus shows that you can only hear over there on Patreon, you'll stick around. And uh, most of them have that have signed up for that free t-shirt when I've done this gimmick in the past. So I'm going to do that again this month. Sign up. There's your opportunity to get some Top Rope Nation threads for just five bucks. Check it out. Check it out at patreon.com slash top rope nation. So with that said, fellas, um, I did want to get your thoughts on best match of the night. I think that kind of came out there. Justin, you said the eight man tag. Kyle, would you say the eight man tag was the best match of the night or did you prefer Adam Cole and Keith Lee? No, it was the eight man. It was the okay. best match on either show for the last two weeks. Yes. Amazing. Amazing match. Tons of creative spots in that match. Um, was that the one that was going head to head with Gargano and Swerve? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I missed some of it cause I was watching the Gargano match. Yeah. Um, I, cause, I couldn't remember for sure. I wanted to watch that one too, but my eyes were on the eight man most of the time. Justin. Yeah. Well, it, it just, cause I was briefly watching that eight man and it, it, just the one little spot I saw, it just felt like it was getting a little sloppy cause they're really seemed to be rushing into their, uh, double team spots. So I flipped back over to Gargano, uh, watched the end of that match and came back to this and luckily came back in time to see that Canadian destroyer to the floor on everybody. That was amazing. <laughs> over the top rope to the floor on top of everyone. That was incredible. I thought uh, Nick Jackson and, and Phoenix in particular had a lot of good chemistry in this match. There was a moment where they were up on the corners and they're both like simultaneously jumping up to the top rope. And then I think it was Nick that hit the hurricane Rana. Yeah. Phoenix. Don't sleep really cool. on that spot. That was a, I mean, you know, everyone's going to talk about the Canadian destroyer, but that was equally as impressive. Yeah. Earlier in the match. Awesome. Awesome move there too. So yeah, this is the one uh, that people are going to be talking about as far as in-ring action goes, I think. And you know, Matt Hardy was right. Matt Hardy tweeted out right before the match started that this is the match everyone's going to be talking about tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I think he was right. Awesome, awesome match. You guys have anything else to add about that one? Yeah, Justin is right. I did think it was kind of breaking down a little bit in a part. And, you know, then the Bucks and FDR, they were working real well to each other. And it looked like they were just going to finish them off. And it was just going to be a showcase match for them. But when they didn't get the pinfall on that Powerplex deal, the match just absolutely took off after that it became a whole different dynamic obviously you had the key story with ftr and the bucks working well together at first but then their miscommunication spot i like how that led to the finish you know that's a good story uh my only complaint about this match this kind of applies to a lot in aew whether it's you know taz and brian cage uh really any of the manager situations in the promotion is that there's borderline too much cosplaying going on in AEW where 
you know, FTR does a move and JR's like, oh, that reminds Yard and Tully. Or there's a double drop kick from the box. They're like, oh, is that that's just like Ricky and Robert? And, you know, people wonder why everyone looks to the past for stars. You don't need, you know, to constantly remind people who their influences are. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be putting over, I think, the curb. I remember, you know, Jr. uh you know, when Shawn Michaels would come out and he would talk about no one does pay-per-view like Shawn Michaels, not Hogan, not Savage, not anybody. And it was really kind of putting over the present. Um, it's just a minor quip, but I just think there's a lot of cosplaying going on. Not just in AEW, but all wrestling, to be quite honest, in 2020. You know, that's kind of an interesting point because uh, I do find the AEW does these callbacks to like legendary wrestlers quite a bit. And... I saw some discussion on Twitter about that tonight because people people think AEW, their fan base, is like the more serious fans, I guess, is what I was seeing on Twitter. I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. But one thing that we do know is that when it comes to the ratings, NXT wins the 50 and over crowd consistently by yes. quite a bit. You know, so if you're going to call back to like '80s wrestlers, uh, it's going to be the NXT audience. You just like by the sheer number of older fans they have that would would make that connection a little bit more. So that's that's kind of an interesting point, Kyle. No, and that's a good point too that I didn't take it that step further. That you would think based on those demographics that it would be NXT more hungry to kind of reach the past. Yeah, it's. I would love some sort of survey of AEW fans, particularly skewing on how they feel about you know these legendary guys coming back and man, and then you have nyla rose you know she says she's got a manager i mean is this gonna be another blast from the past you know i thought that was interesting that nyla rose is gonna have a manager because of all of the women wrestlers like she's one of the best talkers that they have. I mean, I've told this story in the past. You can go back in our archives and look at, uh, I think it's the AEW live experiences of the name of the show back in early March when I talked about going to AEW revolution as a member of the media. And I was at the media scrum and uh, there was a bunch of people on their phones when Nyla Rose came in, you know, like tweeting updates from the press conference. And she like went off and like dressed down all of us. And it was, it was legit uncomfortable. Like she cut a promo on the media. So, when she came out saying she's going to have a manager, I'm thinking, like, she's probably one of the last people that actually need it in this division. But, you know. Uh, real quick, on that note, you know who else surprised me with their uh, speaking, I guess, their promo, for speaking for lack of a better term, I guess I should call it promo cutting, was uh, Big Swole. So yeah. I thought that mm-hmm. segment they did where she was banned from the building was really good. Yeah. I thought it was an just a short little thing, but it was – pretty entertaining and i thought she played her role very well like a lot of times when you see that on like raw or smackdown it comes off as so hokey which is kind of a polite way of saying so shitty <laughs> but in, in this case it, it was like a nice little it was a it was a good wrestling segment I yeah thought. justin did you see the segment where uh, taz is out there at brian cage as you're flipping back and forth and he brought back the ftw title i did i did what, watch that what did you think of that couldn't care less. Didn't care about that title when it was originally existed. <laughs> so I brought that up because talking about this calling back to the past stuff. Yeah. Um, someone made a comment on Twitter that does that actually mean anything to anyone under 35? And uh, all of us, all three of us are over 35. Uh, I'm 36. You know, I, I know what that means. I, I followed ECW here and there when I could in the 90s. 
Uh, but I mean, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I would say people not not much younger than me would really have no idea about that. So that's interesting too, since it is an audience that skews younger. You know, watch a dynamite. Yeah, yeah, and it would be like if somebody in 1999, or pardon me, it would be like if someone uh, in 2009 brought the Western Western States Heritage title back. I mean, that's how long <laughs> we're going back with that, right? So, um, oh, it's yeah. interesting that they introduce that. Because it was really cool, but yeah. Well, well, if you look at the original story with the FTW title when Taz held in ECW, it was sort of the storyline was the promotion wasn't giving him a world title match, you know, Mm -hmm. and Shane Douglas, who was the champion, wanted no part of him. So he created his own world championship. Well, (laughs) this is not apples to apples here. Brian Cage is literally getting an AEW title shot next week. So I thought this was kind of an interesting thing. Are they going to somehow do a controversial finish next week? Hmm. Uh, Because like, you you know, I mean, if you beat Brian Cage clean in that situation, he's still the FTW. Like, well, who the fuck cares about the FTW title then? Yeah. You know, and after, you know, having Cody beat Lance Archer, you you have to think that there's going to be some kind of schmoz finish with Cage. Otherwise, you know, you're throwing two of your big men, you know, Brody Lee too, throwing three of your big men kind of underneath your big baby faces uh, right off the bat within the the span of two months. Um, And I agree with you that that title, I'm going to give them a chance to maybe explain or tell a story with it, but it just makes no freaking sense right now. Yeah. Go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was going to say, I agree with Justin that you we talked about this with the Archer Cody deal at double or nothing. You do want to build up heels to put, eventually put over the baby faces, but there is, and I think he's spot on Justin with the Brian cage call. If you beat Brian cage, okay, you're, what do you do with him then? And then you've kind of got three heels. Okay. What do you do with them now in that same situation in the old days? It was very simple. What you do with them, they would leave the promotion or the territory. They would just come in for their little time. They'd lose the big match, and it was over. Well, that's not the way wrestling works anymore. These guys hang; they have guaranteed deals. They hang around the promotion. So, yeah, I think they do have to be kind of uh, careful how they book Brian Cage if they, in fact, want him to have any sort of uh, meaningful future in the promotion, and I assume they do. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So before we go any further, we're going to talk more here in just a minute about Wednesday night's matches. We're going to hit our mailbag segment here at the end of the broadcast. And then uh, I got one more note about this weekend that we'll talk about at the very end. But before we do, I do have to throw a shout out to our good friends over at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or Check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All 
right, so as we mentioned at the top of the broadcast, Keith Lee, a double champion, the North American champion, the NXT champion. Uh, where does NXT go from here? Where does Adam Cole go from here? We we talked about this a little bit last week. We made our predictions. Now, I, I'm not going to take too much credit because I've been calling for Adam Cole to lose the title many times in the past. But I did say last week, it's going to finally happen here. Keith Lee is going to become a double champion. That's what happened. It was taped at the end of last week, um, as we said. So what do, what do we think? And we found out you were correct, like, the next day. Yeah. It, it was, didn't take until tonight because the spoiler yeah. came out. Did that affect either of your emotional investment in this match? Because I know all three of us knew what the result was. I think it did hurt it for me a little bit. Um, especially when you're flipping back and forth between channels. It kind of made me more likely to watch Jericho and Cassidy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I've gotten used to spoilers over the years. It, it definitely took away a little bit, just knowing the finish. But I was still pumped to see the match because I like both guys. You know, they're wrestling a lot. Uh, I, I would say I probably, though, I would have been more emotionally invested for sure if I didn't know the result. There's no denying that. I think the rating may tell us a story on how fans, you know, worldwide feel about that. Uh, because we all know the story 20 years ago with McFoley. Right. Not only did WCW's decision to announce that that Foley was going to win the title uh, backfire, uh, you know, not hurt WWF, it actually helped WWF because everyone changed the channel. And you know, I remember that time period. I knew for like six days that he had won the title. I mean, I was always like checking whatever you know rogue uh, website that Scott Keith was writing for it back in that day, probably. Um, there's a call you know, I, yeah, I was always checking the spoilers and, and I remember reading it whenever it came out, like Mick Foley's going to win the tie. I was like, that's sweet. And I remember that didn't really hurt my viewing. I still thought it was really cool. Of course, the WWF title change back in those days meant quite a bit. Um, certainly a more important thing than in all due respect, Keith Lee, um, Lee winning here, Mick Foley was a bigger deal, but, um, yeah, I, I think the ratings may tell an interesting story on that spoiler. If if NXT doesn't win overall, then I think the spoiler may have hurt them. I yeah. think that would be fair. I, I and we'll we'll have to see you know the quarter hour breakdowns and whatnot. Now we we talked about this earlier. Did part of you think that the WWE might have had an alternate finish up its sleeve, and that this leak was some sort of ploy to work the internet? A little bit. I mean, we know that we know that the company has in the past taped multiple finishes before and going way back. Uh, so, yeah, I it I it crossed my mind that maybe that was that was legit. I I kind of felt though that like in the we're in such an age of spoilers and have been for a long time. That, yeah. You know, if, if they if they tape Keith Lee winning the title and that would be you know for him and his career is such a cool moment for him. You got to air it. Why take that away from him? So that was kind of my my number one thought. But it was in the back of my mind. And the reverse of the spoiler is that could backfire on you if you had that alternate finish scenario. Like if people were expecting Lee to win and he doesn't, that could really piss your fan base off potentially. Yeah. So I want to make one last point about the booking of Lee. You were right, Uh, Ryan. Now, I selfishly wanted Keith Lee to use this winner-take-all scenario as a mechanism to get Keith Lee to the main roster. 
It's not that I don't think Keith Lee deserves being NXT champion. I think he certainly does. But I want to make a point about the booking of Keith Lee because, Ryan, I know you're going to agree with this because you did four months ago. Five, I think five months ago is actually longer. Seven months ago now that I uh, checked the match. Keith Lee was in a triple threat against Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa. I believe it was in December. It was, it was in December. It was right after Survivor Series. And remember, I, Justin, I think you agreed too, but I, I distinctly remember Ryan agreeing. We were like, Keith Lee should win the, should have won that triple threat and gone on to beat Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. seven months ago. Yeah. When people ask me what's wrong with WWE sometimes, I don't want to take anything away from Keith Lee again. I just want to be honest here and give objective takes. I think the scenario I just laid out there sort of encapsulates an issue with WWE in that they always feel they're seven months behind what they should do. You know, even when they do something that's right, it's, well, it was, you know, it would have been better served in December when you would have had a crowd, by the way. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. That's a great point. They always wait too long <laughs> to cash mm-hmm. in on stuff. Look look no further than Braun Strowman, right? Yeah. Go back to our shows in 2017, that summer that he was getting the big push. And we thought like that was the time to do it, not three years later. And does anyone really care about Braun Strowman as world champion now? Not really. I don't think so. But in 2017, people were pumped for it to happen. And as you mentioned, there was a crowd around. So yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, booking is all about not just the right person, but the right time. Mm-hmm. Getting so excited here, I just hit my microphone. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, I just think you know, and Keith Lee again, he's hot. But you know, I was when I was just watching this match, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this is really cool. I really like Keith Lee. But man, this would have been an even bigger deal seven months ago, or whatever. Yeah. Had they done, or you know, had they done it? I think at the, I think it was for the NXT show in Portland, right? They were setting up that title match, so I, you know, just maybe a minor quibble again, but I think it's worth pointing out because it's part of a larger picture. The WWE, like you brought up the example with Strowman, Ryan, they have a habit of kind of uh, being a few months behind, a few yeah. years behind, even in that mm-hmm. case. Do we think, uh, by the way, to kind of close up on this discussion, do we think that uh, Keith Lee then is just going to continue to hold both belts? You, you kind of asked me that last week, Kyle, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't really sure at the time. I think I said on the show that I didn't think so, that I thought the North American would be vacated, but I've kind of changed my mind on that. I think I think Keith Lee will continue to hold both belts for a while. Mm. I, I think it would be awfully weird for you to promote this match as winner takes all, and then you vacate one of the titles right away. They've been, yeah, and they've been pushing this, you know, like the two belt stuff so much now, like on the main roster. You know, the commentary team was pushing that first person to hold two singles titles in NXT ever. And I can't help but roll my eyes because they've only been in existence for two years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Kyle, you don't think so, though, from your reaction there. No, no, I I actually do. I think you guys make good points. I, I think. Doing that for at least a while makes sense. I think the only counter or maybe a main counter argument is there's a lot of people <laughs> on this NXT brand that probably could use the North American title. You know, we talk about, ah, there's too many titles, uh, you know, in the quote unquote main roster. I don't think there's too many titles in NXT. I, I guess I should take that back. The Cruiserweight title is completely pointless. 
Sorry. It just is. Like, when when your NXT champion, former now champion, Adam Cole, is not 200 pounds, I just, I don't see the point. Yeah. In having a crew. I just don't. Like, the, the you've conditioned your audience to think cruiserweights are, well, okay, they're just not good enough to be pushed at the main level. That's what, mm-hmm. the, that's what the view is, and that's because that's how you've pushed it for 20 years. So, um, that belt's meaningless. I think the North American title has some value, so I don't necessarily think you want to keep it on Keith Lee forever. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they get it off of him while keeping him looking strong. Yeah, and and it's obvious he's going into a program with Killer Cross now, who, and yeah. this was the reason that I kind of thought Adam Cole would, might win is because they teased something with Cross and Cole earlier a couple who, weeks ago on TV. Who is Killer Cross? I don't know that wrestler. Pardon me. Jesus. Pardon me. Jesus. Pardon me. <laughs> we gotta we gotta get up on the WWE lingo here. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. Who will get the North American title opportunity? Then I guess we should be asking. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For sure. Uh, on the other side, on AEW, we talked about him earlier. Orange Cassidy. Perhaps it'll be one of these big matches in his career we look back on where Chris Jericho, you know, they look to make him in this match. Jericho won, uh, but Orange Cassidy, as I talked about at the top of the show, incredibly popular guy on this roster. And uh, I thought that was an entertaining match, too. Uh, Justin, I don't know if I ever really got your opinion on Orange Cassidy. What do you you make of him? I love him. Uh, I loved the uh, kind of the silly gimmick when he first came in. Uh, and you know, after tonight, he's really proven that he belongs and, you know, we were talking about the ratings earlier. Uh, thank God he's an AEW. Cause if for some reason, uh, that main event drew a poor rating, you know, Vince would pull the plug on him right away yes. and bl- blame him for it. Yep. And I, I don't think Tony will do that. I think Tony knows they've got something special on their hands there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really impressed with, uh, him in the ring, his the the character, and how organic it feels for him to switch to that that kind of goofy hands in the pocket, uh, <laughs> shin kick guy to Ooh. to somebody who can really go in the ring. He's just unique, right? Yes. In a business built on uniqueness, this guy is truly unique. You know, there's so many guys in the business right now who can go out and work a match 100 miles per hour and have a good athletic match. But this guy, you know, he's a good worker, but he he has that character and he really connects. And I, you know, going to Revolution, he was one of the probably top three most over guys on that entire show. Just a huge response from the crowd in Chicago for him. He is incredibly popular. I, you know, kudos to Chris Jericho and making him look good too in the main event tonight. So I, I thought that was all well done. Uh, Kyle, you have any thoughts on the AEW main event? I think there's an argument Cassie should have gone over. Yeah, for sure. You know, that would have been a big surprise and a cool deal. Um, I don't think it would have hurt Jericho. And if you have something big planned for Jericho in the future, which I guess they do, he can always get that win back. I mean, but I, I don't think that would have hurt Jericho at all. So um, Orange Cassidy's a tremendous underdog baby face. And you hit the nail on the head, Ryan, with a, a word you used, unique. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing about us. In an era where so many people seem interchangeable, unique is the key, man. Unique, unique, unique. And with the ratings point that Justin made, uh, you know, the, 
Jericho and uh, Orange Cats, that brawl they did a few weeks back, did a disappointing rating. And you got to think of it's Vince. Would he even go through with the match? He, he probably certainly wouldn't have put it in a main event slot again. He would have probably just had Jericho squash Orange Cassidy in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, you know, hats off to Tony Khan. He kept his faith, and I think uh, they had a pretty darn good main event. Yeah. So one of the other things I wanted to hit on here is uh, I wanted to talk about the opening matches of this show. So to go complete 180 here from the main events to the opening matches. Uh, last week we talked about how we thought, especially AEW, really started off well with their tag team match last week. Uh, this week, I thought the same thing. Uh, I thought the Omega and Hangman Page match against Private Party was very good. Not as good as the Eight Man later, but still really good stuff. And then I thought, I thought the Candice LeRae Mia Yim match that was going head to head with it over on NXT was pretty entertaining too. Despite Candice LeRae as a heel being an absolute <laughs> joke, Kyle Ross. <laughs> okay, wow, you. You've- there's so many ways I can go. I hate when you do this to me. Let's <laughs> talk about the AEW tag team situation. So watching this match, I couldn't help but feel we are at a new stage of the Omega page team. We've gone from how long can they get along to them just being a straight up dominant tag team. And Jim Ross kind of referenced this on commentary. I thought, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, I didn't think these guys would last so long, but I guess I was wrong. And with the quote-unquote threat of them breaking up really no longer in play, Ryan, I think we said this last week, it would be really stupid to do that breakup, not in yeah, front of an audience. Yeah, you got to have a crowd there. So, yeah. yeah, so you're, you're not doing that angle anytime soon. But that makes it kind of trickier to convince the audience that this team might lose, because they're really good. I mean, this is a very strong act mm. together. I mean, when they come out, I'm like, this is a main event level superstar act. Uh, I like the match better this week. Uh, for the record, uh, mainly due to the fact I like Private Party better than Best Friends. So uh, that's that. As with the Garganos, that tale of woe, uh, both <laughs> husband and wife going over tonight, not surprising. Uh, Johnny and Swerve was good, as you guys have both said uh, in this telecast. But I want to go back to something you texted us earlier this week, Mr. Ryan Drosty. Here we go. Yeah. It was <laughs> about, what was it? It was about Candice LeRae's theme song, right? I was just thinking how I often reference like you and Justin's text, but rarely do my texts get brought up. So go ahead. Well, this, this was a good one because it got me thinking when I saw both of these matches announced for the show. So we collectively have all been pretty critical of the casting of Johnny and Candace's heels, right? It's pretty bad. It's not a good. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Now that said, no matter how you feel about that heel turn, it was positioned as a really big deal, was it not? They had this big cinematic match that took up the whole show. Unfortunately, it, yes. Okay, but it was it, it was positioned as a, no matter what you think about it, it was supposed to be a big deal within the brand, correct? Yes. Okay, how have both of them been booked subsequently? Not strong. <laughs> They've lost most of their key matches, which, you know, you go back and it like... When somebody turns like that, to justify the turn, they need to be more successful. And that hasn't really been the case. So that's just bad booking 101, in my opinion. I bring all this up because when these matches were announced tonight uh, for tonight's show, I thought there is zero chance in hell either of them is losing. And sure enough, they did not. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, the finish of the Candice LeRae match, I did think was really cool. How she mm-hmm. uh, she hit the neck breaker from the top. Like, they were up on this table that was across the top ropes doing this balancing act. And she did the swing neck breaker onto a bunch of chairs and got the win. That was really, really cool. The heel Candice LeRae, not so cool. I just don't buy it at all. I don't think anybody does. She's, <laughs> I like Candice LeRae a lot. She you just watch her on TV. She just seems like you know one of the nicest women you could ever meet, and she just does not fit as a heel. I I tweeted out the gif of like the child trying to put the blocks in the wrong holes <laughs> yeah. tonight. Like that that, that's Candice LeRae being a heel. It does not work. And the text that I sent you guys was. They had released Candice LeRae's new theme song, and uh, it was a picture of her trying to look like a heel as the cover art for the picture. And it's like, nobody can dislike this woman. I'm sorry. And like, it just was awkward, the picture. She's trying to look bad, but like, come on. It just doesn't work. She's she's a nice person. We don't buy her as a heel. People want to cheer, and it's not working whatsoever. And we've, we've talked, you know, constantly in the past about the failed heel turns of Johnny Gargano and how surprising it is. They went back to it again here and it still doesn't work. Yeah. So. I don't know what the end game is with it uh, at all. It's Cause you know, Ciampa can't get revenge on him because yeah. that was billed as their last match ever. By the way, I at least, at least once a week, I think about Justin Joyd's comment of Finn Balor, not pinning Johnny Gargano in that takeover match, but quote teabagging him. And I laugh. <laughs> yes. And I laugh because that's really what it, don't forget about that. Before said heel turn, he was beaten clean as a drum by Finn Balor. Yes. <laughs> so I, 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 I don't know what the end game with the Garganos as heels is. Maybe we'll get some clarity in the coming weeks. I'm sure they don't know, Kyle. So you're not alone. Yeah. They probably don't know either. Um, the only other thing I really want to mention from tonight was uh, they announced that Cody will be bringing back the Open Challenge next week. And um, two two things about this. I immediately thought, well, that's interesting because next Wednesday night will be the exact date that all the no competes end from all the WWE stars that were released back on April 15th. Uh, but just minutes later, Cody then tweeted out a picture saying that Sonny Kiss had accepted the challenge and he had a graphic for it and everything. And some people are like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. How unique. But I'm thinking, like, even if it was going to be Sunny Kiss, why not, like, draw out the drama for seven days? I'm sure I'm not the only one that was making that connection of, you know, WWE. And, of course, Matt Cardona, Zach Ryder's been out there teasing he's going to AEW. There's going to be all these people that could work next Wednesday night at Dynamite. And maybe they still will. I mean, it's possible that they do the Sunny Kiss thing who really should not. I mean, come on. I like I like him, but should not put up much of a contest against Cody, the TNT champion. So, you know, Cody gets the win. Maybe there'll be a second challenger. I don't know. But I, I thought it was odd that you announced an open challenge, which is, you know, built on mystery. And then within, God, it was like within 10 minutes, he tweeted out the graphic that the challenge had already been accepted. So no drama, I guess, going into the next Wednesday night. More often than not, they have announced the match ahead of time, right? It's They're not doing this like John Cena did with the U.S. title in 2015, where Cena would just come out and say, all right, somebody come out and wrestle me. But have they announced it within minutes like that? Or I mean, was no, it days this later? Was new. This was new. And to your point, you're right. I, I don't think anyone buys Sonny Kiss is having a chance of winning. Uh, Sonny Kiss should not win. I, I will say this. Him and Joey Janela... 
I think have a lot more potential as a team than as individual acts just because of how crowded AEW is right now. But I thought they kind of played their roles well in that Lance Archer match tonight. I was initially surprised that match went through a commercial break, but it did get good late, and Joey Janela honestly probably shouldn't be just squashed out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just that, but you're right. I think the whole open challenge, I think the allure of it is the drama. Yeah. And doing that, it seems counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's the Wednesday Night Wars this week. One other thing I want to mention before you get to the mailbag is uh, the fact that over in Japan this weekend, New Japan Pro Wrestling is bringing back fans. They're going to be in Osaka over the weekend, and they've got two big shows. They've got the uh, finals of the New Japan Cup, and they also have Dominion, which has been rescheduled from June. Both of these shows will have one-third capacity fans. So how depressing is that, fellas? Here in the United States, our COVID cases still skyrocketing. Over in Japan, they got fans coming back for live pro wrestling with two huge shows for New Japan. You're going to have Evil and Kazuchika Okada in the finals on Saturday of the New Japan Cup. The winner will face on Sunday Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships at Dominion. So, big weekend in store for New Japan Pro Wrestling. You want to watch those shows, check out New Japan World. Uh, We'll try to mention them on the shows next week. But I guess, you know, as a wrestling fan, it's exciting. There are going to be some fans, some real fans in attendance at the Osaka Joe Hall this weekend. So I, w- I wanted to get that out there on the show. How, how does that make you guys feel as, as American wrestling fans? Funny Justin what, Joint? Funny what happens when uh, the majority of your society wears masks. Yes. Look, you guys just need to learn to live with this disease, okay? Oh, no. <laughs> what an ass. You know, you know what, what a complete ass. <laughs> Kyle, somebody... Uh, Somebody lube up the William Howard Taft bathtub again. Oh, what no. an ass. <laughs> Kyle, a couple of weeks ago on the show, you made the joke <laughs> that <laughs> Mayor, or not Mayor, Governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, the ice cube, or he has the IQ of an ice cube in August. All right, might be even might, <laughs> might be even less than that after you saw his comments about schools this week in Florida right. as that state is completely freaking out of control. My God, Rod DeSantis. Anyways, <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there because this is so depressing. We are we are months away from this happening in the U.S., if not you know, longer, God forbid. And we've got one-third capacity at Osaka Joe Hall in Japan. So God bless <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling this weekend. All right, let's go to the mailbag segment. We've got two questions this week. Uh, I've I've talked about this on the show recently. We brought back the mailbag segment last week. If you send in a question and we read it on the show, this is another way I can send you a free Top Rope Nation die-cut sticker in the mail. So we've picked out two this week. I've got stickers going out from last week. Our first question comes from Dalvin Brown. He's, he's written into the show a few times in the past. And our friend Dalvin says, Hey guys, my question is about the star ratings in pro wrestling matches. When do you guys think the star ratings, so we're talking about Dave Meltzer, when do, when do we think that they started to get out of hand? <laughs> and uh, for me, this is pretty, this is pretty simple. Uh, I think you go back in the archives and you can listen to our shows 
from uh, oh god when did when did that match happen it was the wrestle kingdom match with kenny omega and okada the first one that got above five stars the one that he gave six stars was that 2018 or 17 it was 17 17 to me that's when they got a hand i think if you got a five star scale and and you break the scale i think kenny has got i think he's had nine matches now that are above five stars if i remember right yeah. I wrote an article last week on a on a comicbook.com where I reference that. That's why I can call back to that. I think nine matches above five stars. I mean, if you break the scale, the scale really doesn't mean anything at that point. So I think I think that's when it really got out of hand. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um so I I don't know. I, I have a horrible memory. I don't remember if it was on uh the pod from last week or if it was on our text thread. Uh, but I would love for Kyle to comment on his uh, theory about uh, Meltzer and the star ratings. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about that. Let me bring it up. Um, I will say one thing about the star ratings guy on hand. I love uh, <laughs> the theory. It's not really a theory. Somebody just joked about it on Twitter once that the six stars was actually just a typo in the Observer and Meltzer ran with it because it got so much attention. <laughs> I thought that was like the funniest thing I've ever read. It's not true, but I I was absolutely in tears when I read that. Here's a deal when, you know, I don't, I'm not pick. I'm just, Dave's ratings are the ones that carry the most weight. So I want to talk about Meltzer. So a big deal with Meltzer and why you see all these high-end ratings from him, it, if you think about it, it's pretty obvious. His ratings throughout time, have very clearly had this effect on modern wrestling. And for that, if I'm Dave Meltzer, I'm taking a big victory lap. That's like this huge achievement that your view of pro wrestling, like what makes a good match, has so clearly influenced contemporary performers. Like, I'd feel like great about myself, Faust Meltzer. But in the same regard, it's also what's led to him, in my opinion, me speaking, being too high on most matches in this era. In my opinion, we are not seeing the best wrestling ever these days. It's that we're seeing more and more wrestling that reflects Dave Meltzer's preferences. So it makes sense that he would be, in my eyes, overrating a lot of matches. Like, I thought the AEW ratings, like, forget about well, I guess Omega was involved last week, but forget about six star stuff. I just thought his ratings on AEW last week were insane. Mm-hmm. Like I liked that opening tag match, four and a quarter, four yeah. and a quarter. I mean, <laughs> I thought he was like a star too high on every match. And again, these things are just personal preferences. You know, one thing with me is now that I'm almost forty, I've been watching wrestling for over 75% of my life, I'm very comfortable, you know, in my own, I, I, like, if I disagree with Meltzer, I don't care. Like, it used to be like, oh, God, I don't want to, like, admit that maybe I didn't like a match that everyone else did. Um, Like, what did I just watch last night, actually, that I wasn't as high as it, it was uh, Ishii and Takahashi. I, I mm. like, peop, you know, that was, like, the highest rated match from the New Japan Cup so far. I wasn't in love with it, quite frankly. I, I didn't think it like was a standout deal where I was like itching to watch it back again. But that's just me. And what you need to remember is if it's me, if it's Meltzer, if it's Ryan, if it's Justin, whoever, star ratings are just a reflection of someone's own personal preferences. They're not the end-all, be-all. And if you follow someone long enough, you're going to catch on to their personal preferences. And the kind of style work today is very well suited to Dave Meltzer's preferences. 
And that's why you get a lot of, you know, high end star ratings from him. Mm -hmm. Well said. I have nothing to add. I think you pretty, I think you hit it on the head. I thought when you sent that in the text thread that that was, yeah, pretty much right on. So our, our second question, this one comes in from Steve from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Steve says, there's been talk lately about an AEW for horsemen. Uh, Rick Flair said recently in an interview that he would have no issue with them doing this. Who would we want to see in an AEW for horsemen? Kyle, you're laughing. Well, per our conversation a half hour ago, I don't want to see him do it at all. <laughs> uh, like that, I think that would actually be a bad move. It doesn't mean they can't have a four-person group. That, but you know, I mean, that would be, of course, you know, compared to the horseman. I, I just, you know, I think doing any sort of horseman cosplay gimmick is is a bad move, personally. Yeah. What about you, Justin? I am pro having a four horseman. That, that's the one area of cosplaying I'm for. Maybe get rid of all the other stuff and do it. Um, and if they're going to do it, uh, like the first no brainer is FTR. I mean, they're, uh, you know, pretty major knockoff of the Brain Busters, uh, Tully and Arn Anderson. Uh, Leader-wise, I think you got to go Cody or MJF. Um, and for that fourth spot, I'm, you know, kind of that, I'm thinking that maybe the Barry Windham spot. That, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't have a good handle on that one. Suggestions? Hmm. I don't know. I, I was definitely going to say Cody, too. I think you, you look at this as you're going to elevate someone. I think FTR would be a good fit. And then you pick a fourth one that's it's someone you're going to elevate from down the card, you know, kind of like how, you know, the the WWE redo of the four horsemen, the evolution elevated Orton and Batista. So who you have to look kind of towards that middle part of the card. Who would you elevate to the main event scene? That's a really good question. You guys aren't going to like this. I heard a rumor that they were a while back kicking around the idea of a MJF, FTR, and Sean Spears group. So you got three quarters of it down. What do you think about your buddy, uh, the, the 10 guy in there? Well, you know, already, FTR. He, was... hey, you, you talked about that Barry Windham role, but he's got the black glove. He's managed by Tully. Ooh, you know who, you know who else would be a good one? He, he's probably not refined enough. How about Barry Pillman Jr.? Brian, I knew you were going to say that because he it, he it, just wrestled on dark against the 10 guy, right? I, I, that made me think of him too. And I'm going to say this. I thought that match, you know, it wasn't like a blow match. That's something you should like, you know, hit pause on this podcast to go watch right now. Uh, but I thought it was exactly what it should have been. I, I enjoyed that match. I made it a point to watch it last night, right? Um, and And it was exactly what it should have been. I would rather see, yeah, I would much rather see Brian Pillman Jr. in that role than Sean Spears, personally. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see We'll see what they do. Good question. If you have a question you want to send in for the mailbag segment, topropenation at gmail.com. Get it to us by next Wednesday night, and we will uh, get it on the show. <laughs> Kyle. What? I am not going to read that. 
What? Kyle, <laughs> Kyle kayfabed a uh, question on our list. Our next one, which was not actually sent in, says, How attractive is Kyle Ross from a blind hot woman across the deep Amazon jungle? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's not how it was signed. It was supposed to be It was supposed to be signed all women across the U- United States of America. Who changed oh, that? Oh, my God. Kyle I Ross. Question, I thought that question was real. I someone really said that, and I, I thought our listeners were very astute. <laughs> uh, with that said, guys, I did want to say I, I made our YouTube channel active again today, actually. Uh, I'm going to be posting <laughs> some content from a regular podcast here occasionally on YouTube. It, it'll be different because, you know, there's images. So I, I posted a video of our Undertaker draft from a few weeks ago, and... Uh, when you watch it, you know, it's kind of like a slideshow, but it's got pictures of the matches we talk about as we pick them. And just another way to get the podcast out there. One thing, if you listen to our podcast feed, one thing I would greatly appreciate you doing is going to our YouTube page and just hitting subscribe. It's youtube.com slash top rope nation. And the reason I say that is because YouTube will not let us monetize our channel until we have 1,000 subscribers. We used to be fairly active on YouTube. We haven't been recently. Uh, but we don't have a thousand subscribers. We have a few hundred, but we need a few hundred more. So if you can hit that subscribe button at youtube.com slash top rope nation, that would help out a lot. And, uh, we'll be putting more out, more content out there on the YouTube page if it does well. So wanted to get that out there. Of course, I mentioned earlier in the show, the Patreon page, King of the ring 93, an awesome show. You heard the preview on Monday. You want to hear the whole thing, sign up on Patreon for five bucks. You get all our bonus content and a t-shirt in the mail. Hell of a deal. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. So with that said, you can follow the podcast at Top Rope Nation. We're on Twitter, Instagram. We're also on Facebook. You can follow me at Ryan Drosty on Twitter. And Kyle, where can the listeners follow you? At TRP Kyle. And Justin. Uh, add Justin Joint <laughs> when when he's on there occasionally, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So this has been episode one fifty six of Top Rope Nation. We'll see you guys on Monday. I Have a great go weekend. Walking in the in the middle of the go walking in the in the mid in the middle of the night. Oh no. <laughs> This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. 